I I really do feel like God is calling me to be branded. Hey guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And today we're joined our friend Brandon. Hi everyone. Welcome, Brandon. Yeah, it's good to be here. So we met Brandon in college um, at St. Thomas. And I guess to to start out, um, how did you end up going to St. Thomas in Minnesota? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I mean, for all the listeners out there, (laughs) I'm a native Californian. So that's why it's especially weird that I went to college in Minnesota. Um, Which Side note, so your nickname in college was Cal, and I did not know why people called you that for the longest time. <laughs> like, an embarrassingly long amount of time for me to put together where the Cal came yeah. from. I, I loved how many times people in college were like, Calvin, and I'm like, who's Calvin? And they're like, <laughs> that's you. And I'm like, my name's not Calvin. <laughs> I actually thought that, too, like, before... Like, when I just heard people talk about you before I actually met you, I was like, wait, is his name Calvin? (laughs) Yeah. My favorite was when someone said, like, don't make me full name you. And I was like, go ahead, full name me. And they're like, California Miranda. And it made me laugh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, because I'm talking about why I went to Minnesota. Um, so I was one of those weird seniors that, like, loved applying for colleges. So, um, I had applied for 11 colleges, and... Holy moly! Yeah, I know. (laughs) And I was a board senior in high school, and I thought to myself, thought not that I had any interest in the answer to this question at this point in my life, but I thought to myself, how does a Catholic priest become a Catholic priest? I have no idea. So I googled it. And it turns out they go to seminaries. And I was like, I don't even know where a Catholic seminary is located. So I typed in Catholic seminaries in the United States. And then it led me to a page with a gray background and blue links. And I was like, all right, Alabama, let's do this. And I just started clicking through links, looking at websites, because I was really that bored. Um, (laughs) And I got all the way down to Minnesota. And I clicked on St. Paul Seminary school of divinity and um it's attached to saint thomas's website and i was like the university of saint thomas i've never heard of it and i clicked and i saw the homepage that was back in the day very very purple and i was like <laughs> "Ooh, what a nice homepage!" <laughs> um and then i closed i closed that window because i'm just like I don't even know where the school is, and I already applied to 11 different universities, so why do I even bother being on here? And I opened up Facebook, logically, and it turned out, it was just providential, that the first picture on my newsfeed was this kid who I never really liked. Sorry, if you (laughs) listen to this podcast. um, And he broke his student ID in half, and he's like, oh, I broke my student ID in half. And I was like, oh, you think you're so cool. But I was looking at the student ID, and I was like, the University of St. Thomas? How coincidental. So I messaged him, and he was like, oh, bro, it's chill. And they, like, give a lot of financial aid, bro. 
It's a free application. So I applied. I got in. The financial aid was good. And then, um, yeah, when I went to visit, I I fell in love. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really how I ended up. I mean, I, I remember telling my mom, I said, Mom, the chances that I'm going to go to this college are really slim because I don't want to go to a college in the state that borders Arkansas. Because I had no idea where Minnesota was on a map. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you tour all 11 colleges? No. I think I ended up touring about seven or so. What were the 11 colleges, if you can remember? <laughs> okay, let's see. Well, let's start off with, well, so it's 12 colleges because I applied for St. Thomas. But, so let's do this. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> uh, the University of St. Thomas, one. Marquette. Catholic University of America, St. Mary's College of California, uh, UC Berkeley. I think I applied for UCLA. I can't remember. I think I did apply for UCLA and UC Davis. And then Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where my brother went to college. Gosh, University of Pacific. We're at nine. <laughs> Gosh, what other colleges do I apply to? Oh, um, duh. Uh, UC San Diego was 10. Man, I'm so close. <sighs> <laughs> One more. I'm... Gosh. Five different states. that are. That's what I remember. So California, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Catholic University of America, and that means I had one more in a state. Huh. Man, <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> That's okay. okay. No pressure to remember. I'm impressed that you could name 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like the theme was mostly California. Yeah. Yeah. And I threw up. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was going to stay in California. I was a mama's boy, but... Um, then I just had this idea of like, how about I just like spread my wings and move to a different state? <laughs> move to the tundra. Yeah. So in your senior year, you knew you wanted to go into seminary. Had you always kind of knew that was your kind of path <laughs> that you wanted? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my short synopsis of how I even thought about uh, seminary. When I was a little, my grandma tells me this story, but I also remember she said that growing up, I always said I wanted to be a priest. Um, and I do remember once I got a C on my report card and my dad sat me down and said, you know, Brandon, when you, when you grow up, like, it's going to be very important that you have good grades because like people go off to college and you need good grades to go to college. And I remember I started crying because I remember thinking if I can't go to college, I can't become a priest. And like, I remember that. And I was like, weird. I don't know why I want that. Um, and that kind of became a backburn, backburner um, thought for many, many years after that. But it wasn't until I studied abroad in Rome that I really thought about the priesthood again. Um, so yeah, I studied abroad in Rome the second semester of my junior year at St. Thomas. 
when I came back, I was I applied, and there's a whole story about <laughs> why I was asked to wait. But that's not that's not podcast conversation. And uh, and then yeah, and then I ended up becoming a missionary, and then uh, I had my heart set on the priesthood, or at least seminary. So yeah. Did you go to a Catholic high school? I did not. I went to a Catholic elementary school until fourth grade. Then I moved okay. to Dixon, California, public high school kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was religion a big theme growing up for you? Um, it was very culturally ingrained because I'm Latino on both sides. I'm half Mexican, half Nicaraguan. So... Um, we were all like baptized, confirmed Catholics, but not really super practicing. But my gr- okay. my grandma was a very faithful Catholic woman, praying the rosary every day and constantly talking about Jesus. Um, so yeah, I mean that's and it's from her example that like I kind of sprung board into the rest of my life. Okay, so you decided you wanted to go to the priesthood you went into seminary and then you became a missionary and then can you kind of walk us through the rest of your journey (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah so applied for seminary asked me to wait became a missionary for two years um and it was during those two years i was a missionary on a college campus in iowa that i thought to myself I really have a heart to like be a missionary and to be sent wherever I go. So I ended up joining a religious order um, (laughs) to make this the least complicated explanation of what a religious order is. Um, There's two models of priesthood inside the church. There's what we call diocesan priesthood and what we call religious priesthood, which are within religious orders. Um, so like diocesan life is like, for example, here in Minnesota, the largest one we have is the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, and it's a geographically bound area and that people can study to be a priest for that geographical area. Um, and they'll most likely have all of their ministry within that, that block of land. Um, and yeah, but religious orders are international entities for the most part. So there's like the Franciscans, the Jesuits, the Dominicans, the Benedictines. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're still more geographically bound, like the order I joined, my my sector of it was 13 states in the US, um, there's a possibility to be sent anywhere in the world. And I just had, it sounded like fun. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, And that's why I ended up joining Religious Order. And I was in it for two and a half years. And frankly, I loved it. It was, it was really great. Being able to preach was wonderful. Studying theology was great. Um, But part, I mean, I really do have complete faith that God directs the heart the way it should go. Like God pulls and tugs at our heart. Um, And there just came a point at the end of that two and a half years 
where everything was going right in my life, but it felt constantly like I'm not supposed to be here. And I was like, you know, I mean, part of it was, I'll admit, a mental health struggle. Like I was struggling a lot with anxiety at the time and depression, but Mm -hmm. um, the more and more that I started feeling joy return to my life, the more and more I knew that I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. And it really felt like God was calling me into an even deeper level of trust, which is what I've always described each step of my journey towards seminary and even out of seminary and even in and out of like into Catholicism was God constantly calling me to trust more and more and more and more. Um, And this last time was the scariest because I didn't really want to leave because as I said, I loved it, but I knew that I would be comfortable if I stayed And it's weird to say, like, that was a reason for me to leave. It's because I knew I'd be comfortable. It wouldn't challenge me further. Interiorly. I think it'd be a very challenging life to be a priest. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. But, like, I just knew that my heart yearned for something more. Um, And then, I mean, and also part of all of this journey, as both of you know, um, it was at this time they also came out as gay. I hadn't come out before I was in seminary. <laughs> so, um, and part of me was, you know, I had very good supportive uh, Catholic authority figures in my life who, you know, were very good inside my coming out process. And they encouraged me a lot to do a lot of self-reflection and to really ask myself like what do I want for my life so that was great but there just came a moment where um I just I just knew in good conscience I couldn't stay in seminary and work out all of the details of what it meant to come out what it meant to what I truly felt about you know same-sex relationships and things like that so I I left because I was like I need to explore a little more yeah I think that's really encouraging to hear, though, that you had supportive people within the church that were encouraging of you exploring that. Yeah. Yeah. I really do count it as a blessing. Was your family and everyone pretty supportive when you decided to leave? Um, yeah, for the most part. Um, I So my family, I warned all of them far before I left. <laughs> <laughs> that I was leaving. Um, I didn't warn much of my extended family, but like my mom, my dad, and my brother. Like I, we all, I, I've been in contact with all of them. Um, and the Christmas before I left, I told them all that I was planning most likely on leaving within the next three months. Little did I know I'm really good at predicting the future because I left in March. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. And a lot of my friends, I told them that I was thinking of leaving. And when it got closer to the end, I would, I told them that I was pretty sure I was leaving. But uh, it came as a shock to a lot of people. And like, so much so that even to this day, I still occasionally have people say like, what? 
when did you leave seminary? And I was like, a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I would say 90% of people in my life were very supportive in my leaving and my coming out. But there was there was 10% that wasn't as supportive. And that kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what was it like to leave and, and come back? And how did you decide to come back to Minnesota versus California? Uh-huh. And, and what was the process like to kind of get to your next yeah. step? Um, you know, <laughs> I... When I left, I was living in Las Vegas for a little bit. That's where my parents live now. You know, since they became empty nesters, they said, why not move to Sin City? Um, (laughs) I love that. Um, So I was living there and um, I was actually planning on becoming a nurse assistant, getting my nurse assistant like license in Nevada and then working there and going to nursing school in Nevada and just like trying to figure things out because the financially feasible thing would be to stay at home with my parents because they wouldn't charge me rent. And I know my mom's going to be listening to this later. So thank you, mom, (laughs) for not doing that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was the initial plan. And I figured Oh, and I was also applying to be a flight attendant, too, at the time, because I was like, why not? When am I ever going to have an opportunity like this again? Um, and there, it was interesting because Vegas is not the city I grew up in. As I said, my parents moved there. So I don't really have friends in Vegas. And I spent three months there. And it was it was really hard because... The only people I interacted with on a daily basis were my parents and the baristas at Starbucks. And <laughs> like, it was just, it was, it was miserable. And at the same time, like I had left seminary. I had never been uh, out before that. So I was like, well, how do people go about dating? And like, you know, I downloaded some apps, not the app that anyone's thinking of. I downloaded like Bumble and like OkCupid and things like that. Um, <laughs> and like I and it was funny. I re- <laughs> My mom's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, what? I didn't know this, but I'm going to still admit it. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, would match with these guys. But then like I still was working through this internalized homophobia and like I went on three dates while I was in Vegas and I remember like being like, Oh, mom and dad, like a friend of mine's in town. Can I go like see them for a couple of hours? And they're like, sure. You know? And I would go off and like be on a date, you know? And I was just like, Oh, what's this like? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like, so there's like a lot going on. I was calling one of my best friends, Alex from high school. I was calling her like every single day, basically it felt like. And talking to my cousin's girlfriend and my brother a lot. And just kind of like working through like, who is this new Brandon that's coming out of this space? This Brandon who uh, has to deal with a lot of like shame resilience. Because I was reading a lot of Brene Brown at the time. Uh, I know, so good. uh, She's so good. Anyway, so 
back to the topic. Um, so yeah, I, I was like, well, I have these three months of basically vacation. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just going to go visit Minnesota. And I bought like a, a ticket on frontier airlines, like for like 111 bucks round trip. So like go to Minnesota for two weeks. And I stayed with my former roommate, Robin, whom I love dearly and his now fiance. So that's great. Um, and I was just up here just to like, you know, visit and just kind of like chill. Cause I just wanted a change of scenery from Las Vegas. Then I don't know if either of you know, Maggie, do either of you know her? I don't. Okay. She, okay. I don't yeah. think I do either. She graduated our year from St. Thomas. Um, and she was like one of the first people I met on campus. And I was walking back to Robin's place because this was like May. So it was like nice enough to walk. And I had just like met with my political science professor who like she was just like a ball of positivity for me being like don't look at this as like you have no idea what the next step is look at this as like the world is open to you for possibility you know I'm like oh that's so that's so nice um (laughs) and then a dear beloved friend of ours who's in the book club who was teaching at St. Thomas at the time she was like (laughs) hey let's go walk for a little bit around campus I'm just like in the basement of the building you're in right now so I was like sure um, and we did, and like I had no idea that she was teaching at St. Thomas, um, and like after, it was just really weird because again I would describe my like my mental <laughs> like my mood in these three months is like bouncing through like really great like oh yeah great hope to like what am I doing with my life just constantly back and forth. Um, so when I was walking with her and I was like, oh, you're teaching at St. Thomas and I'm a 27-year-old seminary dropout. That's cool, you know. Um, and so I was just like, uh, I can just walk home. Maybe I should walk to admissions and see if they're like hiring anyone. And I was like, or I can go to campus ministry because the priests of my religious order that I was in, they actually work in campus ministry at St. Thomas. So I was like, maybe I'll go visit them. So I went over there and uh, to ask if the priests were there because they weren't. Neither of them were. And when I was there, uh, a cute boy inside a lilac shirt came up to me and was like, (laughs) oh, because I was wearing a flamingo shirt, you know, which is a whole other, you know, just like it's like basically wearing a pride flag, but it's fine. And. He was like, oh, nice flamingo shirt. And I saw the lilacs on his shirt. And I was like, oh, nice lilacs on your shirt. And I thought to myself, like, homeboy gay. But we don't we don't want to assume anything here. Um, and then, like, he was like a ball of positivity. But then he was just like, oh, yeah, I have all these jobs lined up after I graduate. And I was, like, sitting there. And I was like, oh, how nice it would be to be young again and have hope. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, and then... I actually, right after like that whole encounter, I didn't end up. I did end up being able to speak to one of the priests who was a friend of mine, um, and then I had a phone interview for a job, and it wasn't going well on the phone interview. And then they asked, 
I love the woman was just like, well, this is like, I wasn't going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask this question. And I was like, sure. And she's like, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And I don't mean this as a career thing. I mean, like, you seem really directionless. And I was like, thank you, <laughs> I guess. Um, and it was just like, I walked home and I was just like, I have no direction in life, blah, blah, blah. And this is where Mag- Maggie is back in the story. I ran into her on the sidewalk because I was going to go into a church and pray and be like, Jesus, I'm a hot mess. And I just need like some some creature comfort right now. Um, but then I was like, but then I forgot that mass started at that parish, like right around the time that I was walking. And I was like, I don't feel like staying for mass. So I was just like, I don't know. So I just kept walking down the sidewalk and I ran into Maggie. And Maggie's just like, hey, how, how have you been? I was like, haven't been too great. And then she's just like, oh, like you're still in seminary, right? And I was like, nope. And then she's like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, I'm unemployed. And she's like, what are you thinking about doing? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and she's just like, great. Well, I'm sorry I'm asking you all the bad questions. I'm like, no, it's fine. You just caught me at a terrible time. Um, and we just started chatting. And then I mentioned that I thought about being a nurse. And then she was just like, she's like, I think that we we're meant to run into to each other on the sidewalk because I actually did an accelerated BSN program and now I'm working as a nurse in a hospital and I was like wow and then like she was just like talking me up at that moment she was just like you should go for it and like and I told her like all of my financially feasible ideas of staying home with my parents and you know going to nursing school there because that would be the easiest um but she was like, you know, Brene Brown. I was like, girl, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> but she was like, you basically what Maggie was telling me on the sidewalk is she said, like, sometimes we need to choose the happy option and not the one, the logical, financially feasible option. Like we need to choose our happiness to in order to stay sane, in order to be like functional, fulfilled people. And Mm -hmm. it was at that time that I was like, you know, I can stay in Vegas and be a little miserable, maybe make new friends. But like, I was emotionally exhausted, like seminary, I gave my all. And then I was just like, I'm done. And I'm spending way too much energy on me right now to even think about rebuilding a social network. Um, Being a flight attendant sounded like fun, but constantly being in the air and never on the ground, really. It In a city I probably wouldn't have lived in otherwise, like, there was an appeal to being anonymous in a city that no one would have to know that I was in seminary. No one would have to know that I have a degree in Catholic studies, you know? And I could just be this openly gay man, and no one would have ask questions. But then when I had that thought, I was like, you know, that's just more of me running away from me. Like, I've spent my entire life running away from the things I'm afraid of about myself. I'm done. I'm done running. Like, I need to live this Brandon. So I was like, you know, I have a lot of friends who love me in Minnesota. If I just move back, it's going to be a little financially hard because, like, I left my religious order with, like, $400 to my name. Um, 
And I was like, I'm going to move back and I'm going to figure this out. And I ended up going into CNA training and becoming a CNA. Um, and my brother, God bless him. He's very generous. He funded a lot of that for me. He was Venmoing me a thousand dollars at a time just to like get me over a couple of months. And yeah, I moved back and I said, you know, one step at a time, you know, I don't have a place, permanent place to live. I don't have a car or job or really a direction. I'm not dating anyone. <laughs> so let's just do this one step at a time. So I did. And a year later, I'm happy to say I'm much happier than I was a year ago. <laughs> I, I love that story because it's, I, f- I feel like so many people can relate to, and like me included, and just like not knowing what you want to do and feeling directionless and kind of looking at your peers who are the same age as you and saying like, wow, she's teaching at St. Thomas or wow, she's a therapist and has all these clients and it's helping these people. And I wish I was there, but I'm not. And, and, but, and, but I don't know which direction is right for me. And, and I think what you just said is, is the best advice is to just take it one step at a time and make sure you're following the happy option. It's life changing. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it is very inspiring. So, yes, it's it's awesome. I I love it, and um, we actually have something yeah, in common uh, now, Brandon. <laughs> um, so your next step is um to go into a marriage yeah. and family therapy program, right? And I'm currently in one, and so that makes me really excited, and I can't wait to yeah, keep I'm talking sure, to yeah. you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how how did you decide yeah. to take that direction? Um, I promise that this story is going to be a little shorter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I even like back in St. Thomas, some of my fraternity brothers were like, I think you'd be a good therapist. But I was like, no, I want to be a priest. Um, and we'll probably talk about it more later. I joined Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus. Um, and one of my new friends in the chorus, he, I was hanging out with him and his friend. And I just asked her because, you know, I was a little bit of a social butterfly. I asked her, oh, like, what do you do for a living? And she's like, oh, I'm a, I am a therapist. And I was like, oh, cool. And then she was like, yeah, I've been working in it. And I was like, how did you, like, end up becoming a therapist? Because I know there's, like, several routes. And then she said, oh, I got my degree, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Um, and I was like, oh, I actually considered that once, but never followed through. And then it turns out that my friend, who is, like, you know, who was there in the room with his friend, you know, who I met that day. He was like, you know, I was, he was like, I was accepted to that program too. And he's like, you know, Brandon, I never thought about it, but I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, really? I don't know. Um, so it kind of put it on my radar, but why, why therapy interested me was twofold. One, because my own experience in therapy, like I was like this job, seems so fulfilling and it's I always described it as like you know you're helping someone 
look into themselves to pull out that inherent good in them. You know, so like, I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful job to have. But along with that, one of my favorite things in ministry was being able to be so intentional and to let people discover their journey, I guess. I don't, I don't know the words I want to use to describe that, but like, as I, that experience of discovering the inherent good within them and watching that just blossom. That was one of my favorite parts of ministry and what I miss most about it. So I thought, Hey, you know, going into therapy will give me an opportunity to do that in a way that like, without all the other things that come along with the priesthood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To me, it sounds like you've had kind of a theme of knowing that you want to help people as a career, but just have kind of needed to take some different directions to figure out which way is right for you. And I, I like 100% relate to that because I've, I've done exactly the same thing where I was a writer or I am a writer and I'm like, okay, this isn't right. I hate sitting in an office. And then I had a quarter life crisis and became a certified personal trainer. And I was like, nope, this isn't right either. And I grew up in the Lutheran church and both of my in-laws are pastors. And so I like am around that a lot. And I'm like, maybe I should become a pastor. And and then I've always had marriage and family therapy in the back of my mind. And so I finally, after lots of thinking and reflection, decided that was the way to go. We have similar stories. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> we kind of do, um, yeah. So you mentioned in Las Vegas, you were trying to figure out how to get a, go about the dating scene. Did you figure it out coming back in Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, I mean, so from the, from the story earlier that keep wearing the lilac shirt, uh, we dated for a little bit. Uh, it's part of the reason why I moved back to Minnesota a little earlier than expected. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we were dating for a hot second and then uh, we broke up at the end of June, which is chill. It's fine, whatever. Um, and yeah, and then I went through a series of Lots of dates with lots of people. Um, but then this past October, I met this really great guy, uh, Stephen, who I'm at his apartment right now. So <laughs> he's, he's really great. And we've been, we've been seeing each other for five months now. And everything's going swimmingly. And yeah, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know. I think it's just, it was fun. Like, same-sex dating is a whole beast of itself. So, like, I would tell people, like, I'd come back and, like, tell a friend something that, like, about the first date. And they'd be like, wow, you guys went deep. And I was like, you know, gay dating really is like, uh, oh, my gosh, where'd you grow up? Oh, my gosh, what do you do for a living? And then, like, three questions later, it's like, do your parents affirm your existence? You know, like, <laughs> because, like, every single one of us has a coming out story. Every single one of us has a journey that, right. so, like, 
Mm-hmm. I can't like literally if you don't ask about like you know is do you have a, a supportive family or like at least part of your coming out experience in the first date then it's like you're doing something wrong <laughs> so I am I, and like you know it's just fun there's like little gender norms that you'd never even think of you know like I don't know I grew up I grew up in a very uh traditional family not, not that my like my parents have been like the most affirming people ever, but like, you know this this a uh, little bit of a chivalry type of oh the man always like pays for things on the first date type thing, <laughs> or like holds the door open you know I'm just like well if both of us are guys, <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> so um, yeah, there's little things like that. I just think they're funny and like you know. I'm at a cafe and also like the hard part of like, Oh, I'm on this first date. And like, am I like learning what the difference between like, bro, we're like friends, like we're chill, bro. And like, also be like, I'm romantically interested in you. Cause it was, I don't know. It was just like a whole, like a whole thing to figure out. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's interesting. Um, just cause like, it was your first time kind of exploring that part of your life, so. Right, and it's, I think it's good to talk about it, too, because it's not something, like you said, it's not something you normally think about yeah, or hear I'll about. I'll say that uh, <laughs> my, the worst, the worst gay date I've ever been on <laughs> was miles better than the best straight date I went on. Because I, like, I tried to go on some dates with women. <laughs> in my past and I've always been like there seems like there's something wrong (laughs) and like I just remember the first like terrible gay date I had I just thought to myself like it was actually my first date the guy showed up like an hour late and talked about himself for three hours straight and like I didn't get a single word in which you know Uh. is shocking because I talk so much Um, (laughs) and I just remember thinking like man this is a terrible date, but this is miles better than any date I've ever been on with a woman. I think I, <laughs> I, think I know what was happening here. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your gay man's choir. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in that? And um... yeah, yeah, this is Tennessee's gay men's choir. What a what a great organization. Um, so yeah, I met this guy on one of the apps and, uh, he was part of the chorus. And when we met, he made casual mention about how he was part of a chorus. And I said, Oh, which one? And he said, the twin cities gay men's chorus. And I said, you know, I thought about auditioning for that, but I don't know when auditions are. And then he said, Oh, would you be willing to do it the next time we have auditions? And I said, yeah, sure. When are they? And he said, four hours from now. And I said, <laughs> why not? Let's do this. So I auditioned in. Um, I had confidence in my range check, and I knew I could sight read well enough. Um, the thing was, I had a cold at the time. So I was just like, they're not getting 100% of my voice right now, but that's okay. Um, and I auditioned in with, I can go the distance from Hercules. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it was very ill-prepared, but then I got in, so that was good. Um, 
and being in the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus, I really thought I joined it because I just wanted more gay friends. Because I, I have a, I mean, I have a lot of friends, but it was getting lonely not being able to like share a lot of like what the the struggles and the joys of being a gay man with someone who like understood, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, mm-hmm. and like the guy I was dating, he was great. Um, but like, I think he met me way too early on my journey. Like I was still trying to figure out a lot and rightfully, like when we broke up a lot of it, like he was like, I, you have a lot of exploration that you need to do on your own. And he's just like, and I will just complicate that for you. You know, so it, it was an amicable breakup for that reason. But like, I was going on all these dates and getting romantically involved with all these guys. And I'm like, but I need gay friends. That's what I need. Like, I don't need a significant other to help me navigate this. I need friends to help me navigate. Um, which mm-hmm. Bumble BFF was a godsend. But like, the other thing was like, the gay men's chorus was just incredible. Um, I was shaking in my boots the first time I ever went to a rehearsal because I'd never been in a space that was like so openly gay. Like, you know, I joined a gay men's chorus. I'm outing myself if I ever say I'm in it, you know? And like, (laughs) as I advertised it on Facebook for concerts, like I'm telling the world that I'm gay. Like, and I don't know if either of you ever noticed, probably didn't because it's not important, but like on all of my social media, I've never like I never made a post I was like I I'm coming out as gay like it was just a very like I just started mm-hmm. posting my life <laughs> um, and yeah. I did that very intentionally because I I have a lot of religious friends and it was very delicate like how how is my coming out going to like send ripples and it's it's dumb to think about like what are other people gonna think but like a part of it is like while i am more confident in myself it is a lot to handle to like get messages and emails and texts about my coming out so i I did it much more gradually so i can like stagger (laughs) responses (laughs) uh Right. And I, if there's an added layer of complication, I think, in your case, just being so involved in the, yeah. in the Catholicism and the Catholic yeah, but, Church. Yeah. So, of course, though, I'm never like finishing the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the Gay Men's Chorus was, it was wonderful. Uh, it was a godsend that my, like, you can think of him like as my chorus big, you know, like if you think of like, Greek organizations, bigs and littles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was my chorus buddy. That was that was his title. He actually is an ordained pastor, and like I didn't know that. Like I didn't know that about him when we got matched. And the chorus didn't know anything about my past when they matched him with me. <laughs> it was just like kind of providential that he became my chorus buddy. So. It was really good to be able to have him. Wow. And like, he was part of a denomination that wasn't always affirming. And he was in ministry back when it wasn't an affirming congregation. Um, 
yeah and like we had mm-hmm. so many good talks about what the, his whole journey was and he was so helpful he was like such a helpful resource for me getting my feet under me and I made so many friends and like I thank God every day I joined the chorus because like these men are incredible they have such big hearts and it broke down so many stereotypes I've had of gay men and like it helped me be comfortable and to not be afraid of what people ever think you know like this year was the first year like I painted my fingernails something I would never do you know it's something like that small I was just like I'm scared because my fingernails are painted what are people going to think but like I didn't think that at all I was like I like it so I want I want to have my fingernails painted you know and even like some of the people at my work because I work in elderly care some of the residents they were just like yeah, I assumed you were gay because you had painted fingernails, you know? And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> But like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it made me less afraid because I knew that I had a whole network of people who would stand by me along with the friends I already have. So, yeah. That's awesome. You found your tribe. I did find my tribe. Um, where can people check out? So it's, it's tcgmc.org. So like, Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus, T-C-G-M-C, you know? Okay, dot org. yeah. Um, and that's, like, where a lot of our content is. You can follow them on, I think, all social media platforms, because we are all, we're on all of them. Um, I mean, at the time, though, with all this uh, COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, uh, <laughs> our concerts are canceled at the moment, and our rehearsals are canceled. Um, not. I'm sorry. The concerts are not canceled. They're postponed to a later date. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's kind of tough. We're having a virtual rehearsal this Tuesday to see how that goes. <laughs> that could be interesting. Yeah, we're gonna see. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of sucks because our concert was supposed to be next weekend, and so like we had all of this music memorized and polished we're like ready you know but yeah and pandemics happen you know (laughs) apparently they do i guess through your whole journey how would you describe your relationship with the catholic church and like how has that changed from i guess pre-college to where you're at now yeah um it's it's been it's been sampling tell you that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i'm still i still go to mass every sunday that's part of double begin with that mm-hmm. <laughs> still go to mass every sunday um i still pray on occasion not nearly as much as i did when i was in religious life but i still pray um, and I would still identify as Catholic. I think one of the biggest challenges in this time is uh, being, you know, just very, <laughs> very blunt <laughs> is that, like, I'm living a life that is contrary to church teaching. You know, like, the, the catechism is very explicit in 
the treatment or not the treatment of homosexual people, but like how to address homosexual relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And a wise priest once told me, he said, you don't love the church. He said, because I said, I don't, I feel like I'm a bad Catholic for saying I want to be in a relationship with a man. And he said, do you love people because you agree with everything that they say and do? And I said, no, I don't. I just love people because I love them. And then he said, exactly. He said, so what makes you think you love the church any less for disagreeing with it? And I've kind of just, I've held on to that. And I just, I, I reconcile it in this way. That Jesus, I do not think would condemn me for falling in love with a man. For wanting to spend my life with a man. I don't think that God wants that of me. And that's something that I came to in prayer. You know, I watched as my mental state crumbled as I continued trying to stay in the closet. And I knew that the healthy thing, the thing to choose my happiness and my sanity and to be like authentic to who I am, being that God made me who I am, was that like I needed to live this life. I needed to, if it was a mistake, to make the mistake. You know, <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I, I really do feel like God was calling me to be branded. Um, I don't know. I don't know if y'all. This is slightly aside, and this has to do with my Catholicism still, but. Um, I don't know if y'all know I have a ankle tattoo of a flamingo. Have I ever showed it to you? <laughs> no. I have an ankle tattoo of a flamingo on my right ankle. No. Um, and it was, one, it's because I love flamingos. But two, it was very intentional um, in why I got it. It's because I think flamingos are such dorky animals. They're like so <laughs> lanky and weird and they smell and they're just like <laughs> Just strange, strange animals. Um, and the flamingo kind of became the flag bearer <laughs> of my coming out journey because I would stare at flamingos sometimes and be like, God, why the hell would you make a flamingo? <laughs> you know, they're like, they're like strange animals. But God made the flamingo. You know, like God made a flamingo. Mm-hmm. And I reflected a lot into my life. You know, like I looked at my life and been, you know, I was just like, I'm like derpy at times and awkward and like I'm a mess some of the times. Like there's so many little things that I think are quirky and strange about myself. But I stop and think, but God made me. God made me in every part that I am to be who I am. Like I'm God's flamingo. And like God made me for a reason. And that that flamingo always reminds me of that. That like this quirkiness isn't something to look down on. This is something that God instilled in me. God molded me exactly how I'm supposed to be. So like and that's really what I bring into my Catholicism. I mean, I think the pursuit of holiness isn't so much you reaching a standard, this ideal 
of this is what the perfect Christian is, so be it. It's more realizing that God created you in such beautiful perfection. And we just look at our lives and say, like, so many things are imperfect. And the, the task of holiness is to basically flourish, to continue growing out of yourself and to become more and more authentically who God made you to be. That God isn't asking us to be a Mother Teresa. God isn't asking us to be another St. Francis or any holy person, but God's asking you to be you and to change the world as you, you know? Yeah. I, I was also thinking while you were saying that, that a flamingo uh-huh. is all of those things. It's awkward and lanky and smelly, but it's that beautiful, bright pink color that people put flamingos in their yards and they put them on shirts and they may be lanky and stinky and smelly, yeah. but they're also beautiful exactly. and they're for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love too. It almost sounds like, because in realizing to like love yourself, your faith has even gotten stronger. Yeah. Very, very empowering. Okay. So on that beautiful note, we have our very last question, which we ask to all of our guests. And that is, if you, Brandon, had a reality show about your life, what would it be? Oh, what gosh. would it be called? A <laughs> reality show about my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're switching gears a um, little bit on you. I don't think anyone would want to watch my life. Well, they they would because they'd laugh the entire time. But <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. I've had a reality show about my life, man. You know, I even read that question in your list of questions. I should have prepared <laughs> this. That's okay. Take your time. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Cal California Miranda. Absolutely not. Because <laughs> uh, it can't be my autobiography. I already have my autobiography title picked out. <laughs> so, really? Absolutely. It's called. Are you allowed to share? I'll tell you. Yes, absolutely. It's called He Threw Bricks. Because um, that, that's how I describe my life. It's my relationship with God. I think other people are, are loved into this wonderful place. And it's more like God just throws bricks at me on occasion. And like, as, as I stand up again and I'm like, all right, I think I got it this time. God's like, just kidding. And throws another brick. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, no, but, uh, Oh, <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> it's such an awkward title. Not really, but it's so vague and it ex- basically explains it. Um, I would call my, I would call my reality show. Other people can join it. It's just called <laughs> "Pleasantly There." <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I do too. I I like it. It works. Yeah. <laughs> because it's that's the experience of my life, where sometimes. Things are really pleasant, and other times I'm just kind of there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Thanks. I would watch it. Yeah. 
thank you. Same. (laughs) Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so open. I think it was very inspiring. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Floral Couch Conversations. And if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email, floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. And check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and tell all your friends. Bye. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.